Let's open God's Word this evening to the book of Ephesians. We'll read Ephesians 5, the first 21 verses. And the text for this evening's sermon will be verses 15 through 17. Ephesians chapter 5, the first 21 verses. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. For fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness but it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Thus far we read God's Word this evening. The text for this evening's sermon is verses 15 through 17. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. The consistent testimony of Scripture is that God alone is eternal and we in contrast are time-bound creatures. Our God is eternal. He is the everlasting One. 
for whom a thousand years is as a single day, and a single day as a thousand years. He has no beginning and no end. He is above, outside of time. He is eternal. In contrast, we are time-bound creatures. That is, each one of us has a set point in time in which we were born, and each one of us has a set point in time at which we will die. We are bound by time. We only have so much of it in this life. And in light of these two truths, the question for us is, how are we going to use that limited amount of time that God gives to us? Are we going to squander it by using it to walk in the service of sin? Are we going to fritter away that time by using all of it to indulge in the entertainment of this world? Or will we, by God's grace, seek to make the most of that time, seek to use it well, even as we're called to do in this particular passage of Scripture when it calls us as a congregation to redeem the time. That's the particular instruction that we have in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15-17, through 17, which is a part of the Apostle Paul's practical application set forth in the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians has two clear and distinct halves. The first three chapters set before us the unspeakable blessings of salvation that are bestowed upon us in Jesus Christ. That we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. That He showers upon us the the riches of His grace in Christ. And then having set forth that good news of the Gospel, chapters 4-6 through then teach us how to walk and to live in harmony with those blessings of salvation and the truth set forth in the first three chapters so that there's a a doctrinal section, a theological section, and then a, a practical section that's rich in application. And one of the many applications found in the second half of the book of Ephesians is the calling that comes to us tonight to redeem the time. Tonight we want to look at that using as our theme the very language of Scripture, redeeming the time. First, we need to know what that means, the meaning. Second, the calling. That is, look at specific ways in how this applies to us and speaks to us in our lives. And then third, the strength. Redeeming the time, the meaning, the calling, and the strength. In Ephesians 5, verses 15-17, through 17, the unique and specific instruction is this calling to redeem the time. And I say that recognizing that from a grammatical point of view, that is not the main sentence. And that comes out from the wording of it, redeeming with an I-N-G at the end. And your English teachers will teach you in school that, well, that means that's a participle. 
It's not actually the, the main verb, but it's a subordinate clause. But yet, though it's a subordinate clause, it represents the unique and specific instruction of the text. Because in verses 15 and 17, we have two different sentences that can stand alone as main sentences. But each one of those, by themselves, does not give us that specific concrete instruction that we need. They are rather general. They're almost vague in the the calling that they set before us. It's true of what we read in verse 15. The calling that we see in verse 15 is this. See then that ye walk circumspectly. Walk circumspectly. Now when we read that verse, the idea is not that we are to walk warily, avoiding any and all risks. That's what we usually think about when we hear the term circumspect. But here, the idea of walking circumspectly has the idea of being diligent in striving to conform ourselves to a certain standard. And as Christians, we recognize very well what that standard is. The standard is God's law. And the calling then is to, the calling to walk circumspectly then is a calling to walk in God's commandments. Only the emphasis is not so much on the obedience itself, but on the diligence in striving to obey God's Word. The, the emphasis in verse 15 is on being deliberate, being intentional in how we live as Christians. So that rather than just going through the motions of the Christian life without really thinking about it, we exercise great care. Walk circumspectly. And that by itself is important instruction, but yet all by itself is quite general. And as readers of God's Word, we, we, we want to say, Paul, could you be a little bit more specific? I understand this calling to, to walk circumspectly, but do you have something particular in mind? By itself, verse 15 is quite general, and we need something more specific, something more unique to really guide us. The same applies to that main sentence found in verse 17. Verse 17 we read, Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And this fits well with the second part of verse 15, which says that we are to walk not as fools, but as wise. So that there's this calling to be wise rather than foolish. A calling that Reminds us of the, the book of Proverbs, which sets before us the contrast of the, the way of the wise man and the way of the foolish man. And again, this is valuable instruction. The reminder not to be as fools, that is, not to be as those who are void of understanding, but even more, we must not be those who have knowledge, but for whatever reason, either fail or refuse to apply that knowledge to the circumstances of life. Be not fools. Instead, be wise. Wisdom being the right application of biblical principles to the circumstances of our lives. Which means we have to have a right knowledge. We have to have an understanding of God's Word and the truths of it. But more than that, wisdom is the spiritual grace to take that knowledge and to bring it to bear on the circumstances of life. To live in light of that knowledge and understanding. 
And that's important instruction. But again, it's quite general. Paul, could, could you be a little bit more specific? What you're getting at here? What, what part of the whole book of Proverbs am I to focus on when you call me to be wise instead of a fool? Could you give me some specific instruction? And that's where verse 16 fits in. Verse 16 is that unique, specific instruction that helps us to understand what is in view in both verses 15 and 17 so that verse 16 is deliberately sandwiched between those two general callings that come to us so that when we read in verse 15, walk circumspectly, verse 16 teaches us that we are to walk circumspectly to be diligent in how we use our time. We are to be deliberate, intentional, careful with regards to how we manage the time that God has given to us. The same thing with regard to verse 17. In what way are we to be wise instead of foolish? Well, with regard to our time. Rather than foolishly wasting our time, we're to be as the wise man who uses his time well. So I say once again, the unique and specific instruction of verses 15 through 17 is this calling to redeem the time. Now, what exactly does that mean? Well, we've hinted at it, we've stated it, but now let's explain it. The idea of redeeming the time is very simply the calling to use our time well. In the original, or in our Bibles, it's worded that we are to redeem the time. And that's a very good translation because this word redeem is actually the very same word that's used elsewhere in Scripture with regards to our redemption and the fact that Jesus Christ has redeemed us from sin and bondage to sin. And that work of redeeming us was Christ's work of purchasing us by paying the ransom for our sin. But now the Spirit leads Paul to take that same word to redeem, to purchase by making a payment, and applies it to time so that the idea is that we are to buy up the time by using it well, by using it in the best way possible. As one expert in the Greek language said, Quote, the meaning seems to be to make a wise and sacred use of every opportunity for doing good so that zeal and well-doing are, as it were, the purchase money by which we make the time our own. End quote. The calling is to redeem. But now redeem the time. And what's notable about that word time is that it's not the, the general broad word for time, but refers more specifically to a fixed, definite period of time so that it's talking about different blocks of time, different seasons of life, different occasions, different, different opportunities. And we're to buy each one of them up. to purchase them by using them well. Redeem the time. And what an urgent that word. What an urgent word that is for the church. This is important instruction for us. 
And the Apostle Paul, by inspiration, tells us the reason this word is so urgent for us in the second half of verse 16. Because verse 16 says not only redeeming the time, but adds because. Here's the reason. Here's the importance of redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. That is, the days in which we live are characterized by sin. Wickedness abounds in the days in which we live. And that makes this an urgent, important calling. And this was true already in Paul's day. In Paul's day, the days were evil. And we see that when we take verses Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 17, in light of their overall context and some of the things that the Apostle Paul says elsewhere in this epistle, for example, in chapter 4, verse 14, he warned them of false teachers and that they ought not be tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they, that is false teachers, lie in wait to deceive. That makes the days evil. And the days were evil in Paul's day because of the, the sinful walk of the, the Gentiles around them. That's expressed, for example, in chapter 4, verses 17 and following, where he says that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. How do they walk? Well, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness the days were evil the days were evil in light of the particular sins that abounded that are expressed and warned against in chapter 5 verses 3 and 4 but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness let it not be once named among you neither filthiness nor foolishness sorry foolish talking nor jesting which are not convenient. Paul warns against these things because they characterize the world in which they live. The days were evil. And that comes out too in the history of the church at Ephesus as it's recorded for us in Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19 paints a picture of a city filled with idolatry and superstition. There's the practicing of black magic. There's the the worship of the goddess Diana. The days were evil. And the days were especially evil for Christians who were the objects of hostility and persecution. For though the uproar Demetrius had caused had been dispelled, you can be sure that that hostility remained. Demetrius did not all of a sudden adopt a friendly attitude toward these Christians who were now living in Ephesus. It just became took on different forms, more subtle forms. And it's in light of all these things that we can see how the Apostle Paul could say in his day that the days are evil. But now cannot we say the same about our day? We can. For there are still false teachers who use cunning craftiness, who lie in wait to deceive. The walk of the wicked world around us is no better. And that the wicked world suppresses the knowledge of the truth that our God does indeed exist and 
having suppressed that knowledge, they give themselves over to a life of sin. Sins that include fornication and uncleanness, foolish talking and jesting. Those sins still abound. There's idolatry. Maybe not so much the falling down in front of a, an idol made of silver or gold, but there's still idolatry so prevalent in the society around us. And to top it all off, there's still that hostility toward the church of Jesus Christ. And that hostility seems to be gaining momentum. It, it seems to be increasing in the land in which we live. And it's in light of all of these things that as evil as it was in Paul's day, we are tempted to say, surely it's even worse today. The days are evil. And therefore, we are to redeem the time. Remember, Paul adds those words, redeem the evil, or redeem, the days are evil as the reason why this calling is so urgent. And the fact that the days are evil really underscores the importance of this in two different ways. There are really two reasons here. On the one hand, the fact that the days are so evil makes it all the more important that we as Christians walk as children of the light and thereby let our light so shine before men to expose the darkness around us for what it is. And we say that in light of the context. And that there's a link between verses 15 and 17 and the previous verses. The previous verses in chapter 5 set before us the calling to walk as children of the light. That's the end of verse 8. Eight. Verse 8 reads, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. And a part of that calling is what's found in verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. That is, as children of the light, we are to let our light so shine that our witness as Christian reproves, it exposes the darkness for what it is a sin against God. And now it's in light of how evil it is around us, how dark it is out there, that it's all the more important that we walk circumspectly, that we walk with understanding rather than as fools, that we redeem the time. Because if we fail to walk in these ways, well then we give the wicked world around us occasion to blaspheme our God, to speak evil of our God, to say those Christians aren't really different at all. And it's only when we are faithful in letting our light so shine, it's only when we walk in these ways that that will then serve as a witness to those around us. It's only then that the darkness will be reproved, exposed for what it is. So in light of the evil of the day, it's important that we live according to this Word. But now on the other hand, the second reason in this connection is that the fact that the days are so evil means the temptation for us is all the greater. 
We live in an exceedingly sinful world. Sin abounds all around us. And that means there are stumbling blocks on every corner for us. There are a thousand ways to squander, to waste our time rather than redeem the time. And thus, if we are ever going to live according to this Word, we must be diligent. We must exercise the greatest possible care. As Christians, we are to be hyper-vigilant in striving to live the antithetical life. And therefore, this is an urgent word that comes to us this evening. And in light of this, we must hear the calling of the text loud and clear. And that's what we want to do in the second point of the sermon. Now that we understand the meaning of the text, redeem the time, that is, make the best possible use of our time, and it's so urgent because the days are evil, we now want to take that main calling and bring it to bear upon our lives and see how it applies. We'll do that by looking at this calling as it comes to us both negatively as well as positively. Negatively, we must not waste our time. Positively, we are to use our time well. We begin with the negative. And though this passage is not stated negatively, The passage does not say waste your time. Don't waste your time, rather. Nevertheless, that's clearly and obviously implied. And therefore, we must not waste our time, first of all, by using it in things that are obviously sinful. For you see, insofar as we use our time in the service of the devil. In the service of sin, we are throwing that time away. That time is being washed right down the drain. It's being wasted. It's being squandered because insofar as we use our time to sin, we're not redeeming the time. So that every hour, Every minute that we spend sinning is wasted time. And now there are many different examples that we could give in this regard. But perhaps one of the clearest and most deadly examples would be the sin of pornography. Now let me assure you, I have no desire to bring this up. This is not a topic that a minister wants to talk about. But in light of the prevalence of that sin, not just in the world, but in the church, it has to be addressed. And in light of this particular passage, we need to see that if we use our time to set before our eyes those images, those videos, we are sinning not only against the seventh commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery, but also the eighth. Because the eighth commandment calls us positively to be good stewards 
of everything that God gives to us. And that includes being stewards of the time that He has given to us. And therefore, if I am wasting my time, if I am squandering my time by sitting down in front of my screen to indulge in that filth, I sin not only against the seventh commandment, but also against the eighth. And that's just one particular example of how we might waste our time in something that's obviously sinful. But now moving on from there, still under the category of the negative, don't waste your time. Second, we need to be warned against wasting our time, squandering our time with the entertainment of our day. We said the days are evil. We said that temptations abound on every corner. And one of the greatest is that large portions of our time are spent in front of screens so that we waste, squander time in that waste, in that way. Whether it's spending hours on the internet, visiting website after website, whether it's using much of our time on social media, checking our account and posting things, or whether it's watching multiple TV shows through Netflix or whatever service we have. Or maybe it takes on a different form. Maybe it's video games. And the many hours that are spent controlling some character in a make-believe world. The days are evil. And they're only going to get worse with the advent of virtual reality and the fact that people are building this this thing that's going to be called the metaverse where you can go and live in this metaverse for a time. There's a danger for us. There's a temptation. And it's so deadly because we are good at justifying that use of our time. Well, there's nothing wrong with a social media account after all. That documentary, there's nothing sinful about that documentary. It was educational. And besides, this is This is how I unwind. This is how I relax after a long, hard day. Therefore, it's permissible. That's how we tend to justify spending so much time in front of our screens and with the entertainment of our day. But now the question for us is not is it permissible? But the question is are we redeeming the time? That's the calling that comes to us. Make the most of your time. Use your time in the best possible way. And this is such an important word for us because I fear that as the church we have the floodgates wide open. And that we're allowing ourselves to spend so much time in front of our screens and we're not stepping back to ask the question, is this the best way to use our time? 
Unless we need to hear this calling. The calling to walk circumspectly. That is to be deliberate, to be intentional, to be careful, to be wise rather than fools. Taking our knowledge and seeking to apply it to every situation of life, including entertainment and how we spend our time. That means we need to analyze ourselves. How we're using our time. That may, may mean putting certain restrictions in place that there's going to be a set period of time in which I can engage in this thing, but then after that, it goes off. And if I need help enforcing that, then I get help. But if, you, but if not even that works, then we need to take more drastic measures. So that if it's the case that every time I go to YouTube or some other website, I intended to spend five minutes and I found myself every single time spending an hour or more, well then I need to have those websites blocked altogether. If it's the case that I'm unable to play video games for only 30 minutes and then shut it off, but instead every time I turn on the council, it's, it's hour after hour after hour, then it's time to get rid of that council altogether because I waste so much time. When God's Word comes to us this night and says to us positively, redeem the time, that implies the negative. Do not wait. Do not squander. Do not fritter away the time He's given us with things that are obviously sinful or with the entertainment of our day. But now having applied this passage negatively, we need to come back to the positive because as we said, the passage is stated positively. It's put in the form of, it's put in that form, redeem the time, make the most of our time. And in the positive, we want to see this calling as it applies both narrowly and broadly. That is with respect to minutes and hours. That's the narrow. But then also with respect to the months and the years. That's the broad. From a narrow point of view, redeeming the time means using the time well. Using well the time set aside for the specific callings that God has given to each one of us. God gives to each one of us a station in life. And with that station, there's a corresponding calling. And when there are blocks of time that are set aside to serving God in that particular way, we are to use that time well to be more concrete. This has application for the men in the congregation. In your labors in the workplace. I do not know what your work hours are, but if it's from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m., then you are to redeem that time by working to the best of your ability. Seeking to promote the advantage of your employer or your customers. Use the time well. It says application for every child and young person who's in school. From 8 a.m. until 3 p.m. or whatever school hours may be here, 
God's will for you is that you are to be as school. And God's Word says to us, whatsoever ye do, do it heartily unto the Lord so that for the students in the congregation, that means seeking to use that time to grow in your knowledge and understanding. Seeking to do your very best at the schoolwork that God places in front of you. So we're to use well the time that's already set aside for specific aspects of our life. But it's not just those periods of time. In addition to that, there's, there's also what we might call our free time. For though there are certain blocks of time that are devoted to some specific calling that God gives to us, there are the, the chunks of time in between those blocks. One hour here. Five minutes over there. Fifteen minutes in between these two things. God says about that time too. Redeem it. Redeem that time you spend commuting so that perhaps you use that time spent in the vehicle to listen to a sermon or a, an edifying podcast. Or maybe you turn on some God-glorifying music that is good for your heart and soul that, that is used to stir up within you an attitude of praise to God. That's redeeming the time. Or maybe when there's those 15 minutes between two things, rather than pulling out your phone and pulling up your favorite social media account, you instead pull out a 3 by 5 note card with a Scripture verse written on it and you seek to use those 15 minutes to commit that verse to memory. Or you pull up a good book or other good reformed literature and redeem that time by using it well in a God-glorifying way. So we are to redeem the, the minutes and the hours. But the application is not just narrow. It's broad. It applies to months. It applies to years. To different seasons of life. And while there are many different examples we could give here, we are going to focus on two. First, we are to redeem our time as singles. That is, those who are not married. The, that chunk, that block of life between the time that we perhaps graduate or move out of the house and the time that we marry, if that is the Lord's will. For God's Word has instruction about that period of time as well. God's Word, in fact, speaks of the, the blessedness of the single life. For example, in 1 Corinthians 7, there we read in verses 32 and 33, but I would have you without carefulness, that is, without earthly, worldly cares, he that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord, but he that is married careth for the things of this world, how he may please his wife. And what this is teaching us is that from a relative point of view, this is not talking in absolute terms, but relatively, those who are single have more time available to them to devote themselves to the things that belong to the Lord. 
And the question for us if we're single is that is, is that how we are using our time? Do we view it as an opportunity to devote ourselves more fully to God? Or do we think of it as my time? Is the time to give it up? Is the time to indulge in the world's idea of what happiness and pleasure is all about? calling that comes to the single young person and single young adult is redeem the time, that season of life by devoting yourself and your time more fully to God so that that time is spent studying the truths of God's Word in a way that you would not be able to with the, the interruptions and the distractions of having children. Redeem the time by using it to, to serve in the church so that when there's a sign-up sheet put out there for committees and one's going to involve more time than the others as a single person. I put my name down there because I have more time from a relative point of view than those who are busy with a family. Redeem the time. Use that block, that chunk of your life in the best way possible to serve our God. So application for the singles. Now secondly, there's also application for parents. Redeem the time. For God's Word calls us as parents to instruct and to discipline our children. And that involves spending time with them. So are we spending that time with them? Fathers, when we get home from work and our children come running to us, do we just sort of push them aside on our way to the couch so that we can sit there and relax in front of the television? How does it go at devotions, for, at mealtime and devotions? Are we taking the time to open up God's Word, to read it, and not just read it, but explain it to our children? And to pray and to sing? Or is mealtime something we get through as quickly as possible so that we can get on to the activities of the night? As parents, we must redeem the time. Make the most of it. For you see, as parents, we have only so much time with our children. Now, this will not carry as much weight from me as it would from your former pastor because of the difference in age. But I can assure you, those 18, 20, or however many years you have with your children will go by very quickly. Ask any parent in this congregation who has had at least one child move out of the house, and they will tell you, those years went so fast. It felt like just yesterday we were changing his diapers and now here he is married. 
And it's in light of that that as parents, we are to use the time well. Even as Amram and Jochebed. Do you remember Amram and Jochebed? The parents of Moses. Who had only a couple of years to instruct Moses in the truths of who Jehovah God was before Moses would go and live in the palace of Pharaoh. They knew there's only a little bit of time. And I can assure you, they used the time well. They redeemed that time. And as parents, we are to do the same. And this applies to every one of us. And whatever station and calling God gives to us. So that it's not just singles, it's not just parents. But God's Word addresses each one of us tonight with this calling. Redeem the time. So how are we doing? If you are like me, having heard this calling loud and clear, you are thinking, I have wasted so much time. That's the response of the child of God when he hears this calling. Is there one of us here tonight, having heard this Word of God, that can honestly say, yep, I've used my time well. I've redeemed every bit of it. And the answer is, of course not. Every one of us has fallen short in this regard. Every one of us is a a sinner. Not just generally, but in this particular respect. That when God's Word comes to me as one of His people and says, redeem the time, my response is, I failed. But now praise be to God that there is salvation for us. That there is forgiveness for our failure and the strength to heed this Word found in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Tonight we look to Him. And we look to Him as the only One who perfectly Redeemed the time. Who always walked circumspectly and wisely. And it's worth seeing that for a few moments. Considering Christ's use of His time. He made the most of every opportunity. He made the most of every occasion. And we see that in the one incident that's recorded about His childhood. His parents take him to the temple. And what does he do? He uses the time well. He makes the most of the trip by by going to the temple to learn. To be instructed to ask questions and to answer questions. And this was true in his adult life as well. comes out especially in the book of Mark, for example. In the book of Mark, there is a phrase, an expression that's repeated again and again. And it's the words, and immediately. It's not always translated that way in our King James Bible. 
It often is, but again and again, there's that phrase, and immediately. And the idea is, Jesus Christ did this, and immediately after He did this, and then immediately after that, He did that, and then He went on to the next thing, and He's making the most of every moment. He's not squandering. He's not wasting time. And we see that, for example, in Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 gives us an example of one day and how Christ used every moment of that day. So that in Mark 1, beginning at verse 21, for example, we read this, and they went into Capernaum and straightway, that is, and immediately on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught. And then the verses that follow, we have Jesus Christ preaching in the synagogue, but then we read of a man with an unclean spirit crying out, and then Jesus rebukes that unclean spirit, sends him away, and everyone's amazed. And then in verse 28, and immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. And then what happens next? Well, he finds out that Simon's wife's mother is sick and he heals her. And then more people come as we read in verse 32. And at evening when the sun did set, they brought unto Him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door and He healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew Him. There's so much packed into a single day of Jesus' earthly ministry. He's staying up late performing miracles so that we expect the next verse to read something like, well, he slept in the next day because he's exhausted. He's tired. But that's not what we read. Verse 35 says, and in the morning, rising up a, a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there he prayed. Jesus Christ was redeeming the time. He was not going to squander even one second. And we see that when we look at the, the rest of his ministry. So that when he's walking on the dusty roads of Palestine with his disciples, he, he takes that as an opportunity to teach them. To instruct them as regarding their work as disciples in the kingdom of heaven. And even when the Pharisees would come to him with a tempting question, he takes the tempting, tempting question as a, an occasion, an opportunity, and he redeems that time too. So that he uses that to expose their religious formalism and their their self-righteousness. We see this too at the last Passover. The last night that Jesus Christ has with His disciples. He makes every minute count. He institutes the Lord's Supper. He, he gives them instruction about what's going to happen. He, he promises them the Comforter. So that the consistent testimony that we see on the pages of the Gospel accounts is that Jesus Christ redeemed the time. And that was true especially of those three hours of darkness as He hung on the cross of Calvary. In the history of the world, Has there ever been so much accomplished in three hours? 
Consider what he did. In the space of just three hours. For having taken upon himself the sins of his people, he had to bear the punishment. He had to pay the debt for each and every one of those sins. And now remember, one sin makes one worthy of eternal death, of an eternal punishment. And now he has not just one sin, but he has every single one of my sins, which is a a number that I cannot count. But now he has not only all of the sins of one person, each one of which requires an eternal punishment, but he has all of the sins of all of his people. So that there's an infinite debt multiplied by a countless number of sin, multiplied by a great host of people that is greater in number than the sand upon the seashore. And he pays for every last one of them. All in the space of three hours. Never in the history of the world has so much been packed into three hours. Christ redeemed the time. And thereby He redeemed us. Redemption in the sense that it's usually used in Scripture. He purchased us as His own. He liberated us from the bondage and slavery of sin so that salvation... And beloved, that's the point. That's the reason for walking through the life of Christ and His saving death to show that there's salvation in Him. Because by going to the cross and enduring the wrath of God, He thereby delivered us from the punishment we deserve. For the sin that's been exposed tonight. For all those times I failed to use the time well. For all those times I wasted and squandered it. I deserve spiritual death, but the good news of the Gospel is Christ paid that debt. There's deliverance from that punishment. But there's not just the the perfect satisfaction of Jesus Christ. There's also His perfect obedience. An obedience which is imputed to us, given to us as the basis, as the ground for our justification. The obedience we just described. And His perfect use of the time. It's not just an example. It is that. But when we talk about Christ and all that He did, it is never a mere example. Because if it's a mere example, He sets the bar way too high and I could never measure up. But the point is, He fulfilled all righteousness on our behalf as our head, as our representative, so that it's that very obedience in His perfect use of time that's imputed to us, that's given to us, that becomes our stand before God. This is the reason we're accepted of God. This is the basis of our justification. That is the good news of the Gospel. And knowing that there is salvation in Jesus Christ, does that not make you want to now serve Him? 
See, that's our motivation. Knowing all that Jesus Christ did for us out of gratitude for that, we now want to do everything we can for Him. To use every moment, every opportunity, every season of life to serve Him. Not to work our way back into God's favor, but as those who are the objects of the blessings of salvation that are found in Christ alone, to express our gratitude, to say thanks, Lord, for saving a wretch like me. But now, not only is there motivation, there's also the strength. Of ourselves, we lack the strength. Of ourselves, we are not able to redeem the time. But praise be to God, He gives us His own, Christ gives us His own Spirit to come and to live and to dwell within us, to empower us, to energize us, to make a small beginning in living according to this Word. So may God grant us a rich measure of His Spirit, and may He work in us by His grace so that as His redeemed people, we seek to live now according to this Word and redeem the time. Amen. Father in Heaven, we thank Thee for our Savior, Jesus Christ. And the good news of the Gospel that He has paid the debt that we owe for our sins and that He has lived a life of perfect obedience on our behalf. Fill our hearts with thankfulness, strengthen our faith, and give us the grace now to serve Thee with respect to how we use our time. Hear this prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen.